Welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily. It's me, Mario De Cristofano, and I'll be your host, talking to you about life as a delivery manager, sharing experience, strategy, tactics, and thoughts around my life as a DM, and wrapping it all up in a way which makes sense. I'll talk about agile transformation, some of the work that I do, and I'm interested in talking to fellow DMs to share their experiences too, maybe as podcast guests or getting involved in the conversation on Twitter at DM underscore daily. If you want to get involved, get in touch and I'll get you on the podcast. If you're a DM or you're getting into the industry, hopefully this podcast will be a useful listen. But thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to uh, this episode of the podcast where I want to talk about change and just some um, reflection really on what I'm doing at the minute, going through a really tough uh, sort of set of projects where change, behavioural change, people change is important. Going back to basics and really um, trying to pull in all those core scrum skills and thinking about a foundation that I recommend any Scrum Master uh, considers in terms of when they're trying to uh, facilitate change. And what I've learned, and it's been a reminder that regardless of the project and regardless of whether it's a technology-focused project or a transformational change project, there's something that I've been reminded of to fall back on in terms of core approach. And I think you can apply this to pretty much any project. And if you're a Scrum Master, I thoroughly recommend you think about this. Um, You may have heard of... Uh, John Cotter, and he's a professor of leadership, fairly well known um, in business and consultancy, Harvard graduate, author and founder of the Cotter International, which is this management consulting firm, I think based somewhere in Seattle. He's a thought leader in business, leadership and change. And if you search for John Cotter on the Internet, you'll you'll know um who I'm talking about, not to be confused by Dr. Erker. I don't know why I got those two confused. Dr. Erker's the yogurt guy, right? But yeah, not not to confuse the two. John Cotter we're talking about today, and we're talking about change. And what was interesting, um, I was talking to a colleague recently, all these podcasts seem to stem from uh, conversations that I have with colleagues, which is really good, uh, is this eight-step process for leading change. And it's a really well-known, if you've done any kind of change or transformational work, Um, It's a really well-known pathway of change. And as I was reading through it again, just as a as a a reminder, really, again, I was talking about, you know, how difficult it is to get organisations to change and the benefits of maybe aligning some of that change to this model as it's fairly well known in a well trodden path. I was thinking, actually, that you can apply this to um, being a scrum master and actually apply it to every element of a project if you're a delivery manager or a leader and I'm starting to as I distill and hone my craft even more really have this kind of um, sort of playbook that I stick by and I've noticed that the more I stick to it even though obviously you've got to be flexible in life but I apply a certain set of things to every project that I do these days and I've noticed that the projects seemingly go you know pretty well so what I want to try and do is is talk about some of these things that I do and this is this is one of them so the the eight step process for leading change I'll include a link in the um, podcast uh, description and also on the um, associated blog post but the eight steps and we'll briefly talk through them is uh, create a sense of urgency So what do we mean by creating a sense of urgency? This is helping others kind of see the need for change. 
and this is by being bold and aspirational and I always talk to my clients and colleagues and peers about being a storyteller an orator and being able to talk through and present why we are doing what we're doing and a lot of people can't and as a scrum master or a delivery manager it's really important that you develop that skill I do this podcast in part not really as much for the podcast itself but more also to help me get better at talking and speaking and presenting and I think it's really powerful as a leader to be able to have and create not only that sense of urgency but make sure that people are clear on what they're doing and why so the second part of the change uh, model is build a guiding coalition so you need if you've got um, a group of people um, with all its own ranks and hierarchy uh, you need to be able to guide and coordinate it communicate the activities of almost this army right in effect and what this means really is making sure that if people want to if you want people to do what you need them to do as a team or a scrum team they need to be clear on the vision mission and purpose so even though they might not agree with you they need to at least understand why and you'll get a much better uh, yield and a much better likelihood of the team working together again it's that linked very much to number one it's that being that front man of a band which is the terminology i use to get people working in the same way and understanding why that they're working that way or why they need to uh, point three in the eight-step model is forming a strategic vision and initiatives. So this is, again, storytelling and communication, talking about and clarifying how the future is going to be different from the past or where the team is working now and how to make the future a reality through initiatives, planning and being that good delivery manager. At the start of every project, I've really noticed that everyone gets straight into doing the do and there's not a lot of time spent up front um, even though in consultancy we do this notion of like discovery where we find stuff out but there's not often I see in planning other than my own where there's that opportunity to tell that story and to do this strategic communication of here's who we are here's why we're doing what we're doing here's the the, the case for change here's the the benefit of doing what we're doing and how that will impact the future and here's the risk if we just stand still and do nothing Point four on the uh, eight-step model is enlisting a volunteer army. So otherwise, I, I tend to call this like lighthouse projects or um, uh, you need people to be able to uh, champion what you're doing, to champion the cause. They need to be bought in and they need to understand it to help. This is more important if you've got bigger, more dispersed, disparate and larger teams too. Making sure that people volunteer for that cause and change and get them on your side to help facilitate and communicate the change. So we talked earlier in that you need people to understand the why, even if they don't agree. If they're in the team and they've got to do a thing, at least ensure that they understand why. But you also want champions because as opposed to just dictating from one mouth, you want others to be able to... Um, narrate uh, the journey that the team needs to go on and again what that does is help minimize sort of conflict and resistance so enlisting a volunteer army which is getting people on side and having the skills and capability to get people on side i think is a really important uh, skill in the scrum master arsenal enable action by removing barriers this is a classic kind of scrum master responsibility you're there as this servant leader to remove blockers and impediments but also by removing more operational or political or communicational barriers too 
Uh, and it can just be inefficient processes, but it can also be things like hierarchies and flattening them or at least working within them and giving the freedom necessary to work across silos and kind of really be able to generate real impact. So your job as a scrum master or a leader or as a DM is, is to be able to enable action by removing these barriers and actually doing it rather than just accepting that these things are in the way because the team will look for reasons to to kind of not go ahead or be paused and in the previous episode we talked about scrumbling and some of these um things that we're talking about in this podcast you can go through during a scrumble these kind of eight steps to thinking about what you want to do to facilitate change so on to number six, generating short-term wins. So this is the Lighthouse Project, and this is classic change management. You're going to change something big, start with something small, make it really visible, really noisy, create this Lighthouse Project that people look at and go, wow, that is great, I want to do that, or something similar. And you create and pollinate across the organisation this desire to change because you've seen this almost like keeping up the Joneses mentality. Now, I've seen this in a project that I've been involved with before, and we were, uh, and I'll obviously not talk about the client who it is, but I'm sure a number of you listening will know exactly who I'm talking about went into a really complex old waterfall style organization big monolithic oil tanker of an organization resistant to change didn't want to change worked in waterfall recognized that broadly things weren't working but still all the kind of classic problems the greatest hits of operational problems were there from siloed working the teams not knowing what the other teams were doing and this was mission critical these projects that they worked on uh, potentially had the risk to impact human life so they and we went through this notion of collecting via sentiment analysis and and interviews and stakeholder kind of um mapping and really understanding some of the problems that they had but it was all you know we don't talk to one another we don't know what the teams are doing and we don't know what's going on and then we get fed something that's wrong or we have to rework it and we're losing time and hemorrhaging money and it's just not very efficient so as a consultant coming into that after time learning that we we'll probably need to do just introduce them to agile and we'll start slow and soft with kanban keeping things visible, getting stuff, you know, getting getting stuff on a board and getting them swarming around it as a team would really help. But trying to implement that at scale immediately was impossible. So what I did was um, got one team of about six or seven people. And without saying anything to anyone or communicating anything to say, this is what we do. We went into, it was an open plan office and we, we uh, got round a set of filing cabinets and we got some um, stick on drawing kind of paper that you can adhere to walls and we got all the post-it notes and um, stickers and, and, and marker pens and as a team we put together a Kanban configuration that was suitable for that team so it's a little bit more advanced than to do doing done but it kind of covered uh, their work and, and their, um, their, their kind of workflow and we stuck these uh, posters up these Kanban um, posters and we started everyone kind of distilling their work and putting the backlog on the board and and we did this over a couple of days we were noisy about it there was post-it notes and stationery everywhere and everyone were kind of looking at us thinking we're a bit mad and we got we got these kanbans on on the wall and the second day we did a stand-up we did a public stand-up in the morning quarter past nine the office was open plan we were quiet but we we did the stand-up and you could see everyone looking at us going what are you doing 
and we did it that day and we were going through with that individual team their kind of refinement of the Kanban process so it dragged on and on on the first day because people couldn't be succinct and that kind of happened for the first few days and then they started getting better and it started getting more succinct and after two or three weeks consistently and publicly doing that we started to have this real buzz about us and the team were quite happy that they had this nice workflow and they could see work in progress and started to really understand how Kanban helped. What they didn't know what we were doing was using them as guinea pigs because all of a sudden someone from another department came across and said oh I've overheard what you're doing what's that and we spoke to them and that caused their interest and they started doing it and within a month and a half the whole floor was running visual Kanban physical Kanban, not using a software tool, every day. And within two months, we'd solved all of those key problems. Well, substantially solved some of those key problems, including introducing visible work, getting them all swarming around centralised backlogs, got, got them sharing and talking, started giving each team the notion of a scrum master in their own right or a product owner. That fixed some of the communication issues between the teams. And we did a huge amount of progress in a very short amount of time by using this notion of this short-term win, this lighthouse project. So think about when you're doing a big, complex project, what are the quick wins that you can do that will help facilitate change and, and generate those short-term wins? And that's uh, point six on the eight-step model. So going back to Cotter, we're on point seven, so sustain acceleration. So once you've got that first success, keep it up. Don't drop. Your credibility's increased at this point. Um, people are going to listen to you more because you've had a win, a public win. And that's the sweet spot of when you can really facilitate cultural and behavioural change. So that's when people are listening for a fixed period and you can really start to make the hairs on people's necks stand on end with that storytelling ability that I always talk about being the front man of a band being able to communicate the why and here's why we're doing what we're doing now you might be listening to this thinking yeah well that all sounds great and aspirational but all I'm doing is rolling out a piece of software or a web app or some managed service but in all the projects that I've worked in where things are wrong if you were to do a scrumble or you were to pause, um, this type of thinking and this type of application as a delivery manager or scrum master is really going to help elevate what you do. The technical stuff, the, the estimation, the story pointing, the delivery is almost an aside. What I'm talking about today is that real core human leadership behavior that a lot of scrum masters and DMs really need to hone to be able to influence projects again and again and again. And what I've learned very slowly is that often makes the difference between a good delivery manager and an exceptional one. So sustaining that acceleration is really important and keeping your foot on the gas, not to the point where everyone's a bit overwhelmed and burnt out, but also so you don't stop and become apathetic, especially after those first kind of one or two short-term wins. And then the final point on the eight-step kind of model for change is the institute of the change itself so articulating the connections between kind of the new behaviors and the organizational success and making sure they continue long after kind of the consultants have gone and making sure that those changes are strong enough fundamentally to replace old habits so a good classic example of that is you know consultants will rock up for a fixed period of time within a client site and they'll sprinkle a little bit of consultancy dust 
Um, and there'll be a bit of change and it might be a bit of noise. And meanwhile, long-standing, long-term embedded employees and stakeholders will go out. It'd be just another consultancy firm. And we've seen this in the minute that the consultants go, that those um, bad behaviours or the very reason that the consultants were brought in in the first place, uh, they kind of creep back in. And before you know it, nothing's changed. Uh, the business has hemorrhaged a load of money on expensive consultants and materially nothing's really happened. So you've got to create this uh, this this sort of institution of change and make sure that whatever you do is fundamental. Going back to the, the case study that, that I talked about with Kanban, what we did when everyone was using Kanban over that sort of month and into month two was we did a little bit of a retro. And of course, everyone was willing to come and talk because they'd had first-hand experience. It had generally changed their day-to-day and made stuff easier. So we got everyone together while they were all sort of responding and almost like a captive audience and said, right, now give us your feedback. And all of a sudden they were engaged and we were able to extract so much more sentiment and understanding of who they were and why they were resistant to change in the first place. And that allowed us to kind of shape the change model that we fundamentally deployed for them that really kind of kept that behavioral change up so alien was the bad behavior in a relatively short period of time that you then get that sense of satisfaction that i know going back into that company today some of the changes that they've done now in the agile kind of workflow space was based on that lighthouse moment of crikey we could have been doing this years ago and it was something so simple and i talk about it in the various talks that i do um you know we talk about agile and i'm not a really complex kind of person and it's one of the biggest wins that i've had and it was literally doing kanban on a wall um and that that kind of institute that you need to create to make sure that those behavioral changes are consistent and uh, you know the client in effect doesn't go back to its old ways the minute you leave is really important so whatever you do make it tangible use evidence empiricism is really important and we talk about that in agile and scrum anyway making sure that everything you do is based on data and um getting people to understand that those decisions are made not just on gut or feel but they're made on data and reality too so that institute change is a really important part of the cotter uh, eight-step model so let's just go back then and just quickly go over all of them and as you as a delivery manager and uh, a scrum master thinking about this eight-step process that you can deploy just in everything that you do especially when your project's going a bit south and that's what the next few podcasts are talking about you know, where you've got to a bit where well, we've delivered something, but it's a bit walking through treacle. It's a bit difficult. There's some bad behaviours. We're kind of doing something, but it's not going as smoothly as we'd like. I, I would recommend that you kind of draw everything back and think of some of these things. Not all of them will apply, but maybe a lot will. So create that sense of urgency. Build a guiding coalition. Form a strategic vision and initiatives that people understand. And then enlist a volunteer army to execute those. Enable action by removing barriers and impediments. Generate short-term wins that you can then communicate out and shout from the rooftops, hey, look, this shows that this strategy that we've got might work. Then create sustainable acceleration. So not just a short-term burst of high activity that burns everyone out. This has got to be sustainable acceleration over over time to fundamentally create an institute of change that's long-standing. And that are some kind of initial thoughts for me looking at that eight-step model from Cotter of what I think is really important. And I'm starting to deploy 
a lot of those in my projects just as a bit of uh, sort of diligence really and when things are going wrong I'm looking at these points and thinking well how can I align to that and maybe I need to do something or adjust something or tweak something as a delivery manager but I always think of this kind of eight-step process and it's really helpful I do a lot of transformational change projects so it's massively relevant but even if you're just delivering software or manage service and you're a DM or a scrum master think about Cotter's uh, eight-step process for leading change thanks for listening to episode 22 of the delivery manager daily in this episode we talked about Cotter's eight steps for organizational change and using that if you're a scrum master or a DM as pillars of alignment in your own projects especially if they're not going quite right if you want to get involved in the conversation uh, join me on twitter at dm underscore daily don't forget to follow me too other than that thanks for listening talk to you next time